electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Homes.com knows that when it comes to home shopping, it's never just about the house or condo. It's about the home. And what makes a home is more than just the house or property. It's the location and neighborhood. If you have kids, it's also schools, nearby parks, and transportation options. That's why Homes.com goes above and beyond to bring home shoppers the in-depth information they need to find the right home. And when I say in-depth, I'm talking deep. Each listing features comprehensive information about the neighborhood, complete with a video guide. They also have details about local schools with test scores, state rankings, and student-to-teacher ratio. They even have an agent directory with the sales history of each agent. So when it comes to finding a home, not just a house, this is everything you need to know, all in one place. Homes.com. We've done your homework. My mission is simple, to make you money. I'm here to level the playing field for all investors. There's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to help you find it. Mad Money starts now. Hey, I'm Kramer. Welcome to Mad Money. Welcome to Kramerica. The people make friends, but try and make you some money. My job is not just to entertain, but to educate and teach you. So call me at 1-800-743-CBC or tweet me at Jim Kramer. This market, what can I say? It's got a real keen eye for the obvious. It feels like you can just buy the news and consistently make easy money. Easy money, including today, with the Dow rolling up 104 points, S&P edging up just 0.09%, NASDAQ advanced 0.07%. Now, historically, you, you have to buy before something good happens and then sell, 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 sell. into the news. The smart money always loaded up and crushed sell, sell, bids sell. when stories broke, often leading to big losses for anyone who bought the news. <laughs> I should say anyone uninformed enough to buy the news. Not this market, though. The new pattern is insane. If you got experience, it works against you. That's right, because it's making fortunes for the newcomers, for the new people who are investing. And it's, I salute it. Let me give you some examples. They're classic. Okay, let's start with Nucor. That's the nation's best and largest steelmaker. Now, we own this one for the Travel Trust. We've written Bolton after Bolton about how Nucor could be a big winner from the passage of any infrastructure bill. But the stock's been very tough to own. And if you tried to trade it, got clobbered. Now, I've been defending Nucor as the best and cheapest way to play a recovery in auto sales and construction. I didn't even bother thinking about the infrastructure bill anymore because analysts after analysts downgraded the stock, arguing that the good news on the infrastructure front was already baked in, so forget about it. These professionals would have been right if we had the same kind of institutionally dominated stock market that we've had for the past 20 years, but we don't. In the old days, once we found out that Congress had finally passed the infrastructure bill, you might have seen Nucor stock open up, say, a point or two, for the heat-seeking sellers came in and lit up the buyers, taking furious profits. In the end, they might have blasted this thing down to below where it was a week ago. Oh, but this is a new market that's no longer totally dominated by big institutional money managers, not at all. Individual investors got the power. So when the bill actually passed, sellers were non-existent. They had nice in the opening. Newcorp jumped five points. Now, then some selling came in, but rather than crushing the stock, more buyers came out to meet them, which is how Nucor ultimately finished the day up four bucks or 3.6%. I got to tell you, I haven't seen anything like this individual investor movement since before the dot-com crash in 2000. It's been that long. 
Who's doing all the buying? I suspect it's you. The home gamers, or as they're derisively known on Wall Street, retail investors. Retail meaning nobody, not on this show. Now the retail, you, running circles around the professionals, and I salute you. See, nuclear was too obvious for the pros. <laughs> Regular investors, the individual investors, they, know, they no doubt wanted to be sure the bill would actually pass before they pulled the trigger. Then they started buying hand over fist. And you know what? I don't even think they're finished. Then there are the rock stocks. Okay, this is a great story. These are the companies that make aggregates we need for road building. And I'm talking about Vulcan Materials and Martin Marietta. Now, these stocks have been going up ever since Biden won the election a year ago. Why? Because he campaigned heavily on infrastructure spending. I've tried to get people into these stocks, especially Martin Marietta. But I fell in the same trap as the so-called smart money. When Ward and I, the CEO of Martin Marietta, came on the show in late May, I was worried that the infrastructure bill was already baked into the stock, given that it's up roughly 29% year to date. Stones. So instead of the huge piece of federal legislation, I focused on state road building. I mean, who didn't know that the aggregate companies would make a fortune with the infrastructure bill? I say that like it's a rhetorical question. But there's a clear answer. The public didn't know. Now Vulcan and Martin Marriott are flying again to the point where they sell for 35 to 41 times earnings. These are companies that make rocks, for heaven's sakes, not metaverses. This morning when I got up to work out, I saw the Caterpillar was up seven points. I, I couldn't believe my eyes. I went to go change out my contacts. I mean, didn't you have to buy Cat last week so you could sell the news today? No. These infrastructure plays all have too much follow through. It's almost like, hey, I see the tractors and backhoe loaders and excavators. Let's buy some. Hey, it worked for Tesla, didn't it? Well, it's working for Cat. Not only that, it also works on Deer because Deer has some backhoes. Remarkable. Hey, backhoes. Let's buy the stock. Now, it's not just infrastructure either. Look at AMD and NVIDIA, two of our favorite semiconductor stocks. Now, I've praised these companies forever. I think AMD will keep taking market share from Intel. I've been saying that since it was five. I see it as the preferred high-performance chipmaker. We own this one for the Chapel Trust, and anyone who gets the bullets knows that we've been recommended because of a big product introduction that was coming out today. Then this morning, we learned that AMD won a big contract from Facebook to use its hyperscale chips. Now, that should not be a surprise if you've been following the story. But most people obviously weren't following the story, which is why the stock surged 10% today. As for NVIDIA, this is a $308 stock that we've been championing since the stock was in the 20s. Jumped another 10 bucks today. But get this. Tomorrow, CEO Jensen Wong will give his keynote. Now, this is perhaps the most important speech of any tech executive, maybe any CEO. If I'm right about how stocks keep winning on the obvious, then it literally will not be too late to buy NVIDIA stock tomorrow. In the past, the professionals would have annihilated anyone who stuck their head up to buy the stock. It's 136% run up. I mean, come on. You can just see the pros mowing them down. Now, though, the home gamers are at the wheel. And they're being rewarded for owning great stocks like NVIDIA. Not flitting in and out of the, in and out of the mix. Every big what else? We all know that international travel restrictions would soon be lifted, right? I mean, you and I both know that. We weren't quite sure when. The company most linked with international travel is Market Express. Don't leave the country without it. I've watched this stock go up endlessly since it was reported, knowing that much of the rally was about people who recognized that pretty soon the White House going to lift restrictions. They expected a typical sell-the-news reaction once that occurred. Well, sure enough, buyers came flooding in today. The stock was up three bucks on the, on, on the removal of restrictions. Finally, the most obvious of the obvious, the electric vehicle and charging station plays that are subsidized by the bill. Now, we saw the stocks of companies with attractive electric vehicle run, vehicles run into the infrastructure bill passes the whole time. Take Lucid and Fisker. Take a look. They were up almost every day in the last two weeks. Doesn't matter which charging station name you bought going to the weekend. They were all rallying, and then they all rallied big again today. 
Honestly, I would ring the register in the charging station place because the subsidies are so far away. But I hesitate to name them because their stocks will probably keep boring, making any profit takers look like idiots in the short term. So let's put it all together. Whenever you hear about the myriad professional money managers who are underperforming the market, it's because they think everything good is too obvious, everything like this. So they end up betting against these stocks. They're probably short every single one of these companies. Every name. But the bottom line. The professionals keep being wrong because these new buyers aren't used to the cynical trading ways of Wall Street and retail that they can, they, you know, that they can pick off. These new individual investors, the home gamers, they hear good news, they buy good news. It's a new world, more straightforward, less pessimistic. And you ignore this optimism at your own peril. Can we go to Shari in California? Shari. Hi, Jim. Hi, Sharon. First of all, thank you so much for everything you do for us here, uh, for uh, your insight into the market. Oh, thank My you. question to you is regarding Western Alliance Bank. Uh, it's a bank that the stock price has gone from $44 at the beginning of the year to 124 It's trading almost three times book value. Would you say it's a hold buy more or take some profit. I think three times book is a lot to pay Uh, for the trust. We own Wells Fargo. I'll tell you the truth. At this price, I'd rather own Wells Fargo than with Western Alliance. Thank you for those kind words. Thank you very much. Can we go to Ann in Arizona? Ann. Hi, Jim. Thank you for all you do for the individual investor. You're quite you're quite welcome. Thank you. Um, I own Pinterest, and it hit a high of eighty nine ninety this year, and now it's back down to forty six fifty five. Right? Should I hold, sell, or buy more? Um, I would actually uh, like you to hold it. I think that Pinterest is good. I now see that, given the fact that PayPal's down so much tonight, that one of the reasons why they had to be interested in something was, in Pinterest was they needed the growth, and Pinterest has it. I would stay long that stock, and if it drops some more, I would buy it. Let's go to Peggy in Georgia. Peggy. Yes, hello. Peggy, how are you? Fine. I'm calling about 3M stock. Okay. I bought it. I started buying it in 2005, and it was it kept going up $240, and now it's back down to 180 and it doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Can you right. tell me why? What's wrong with it? Well, it's had a couple of setbacks. It's got a lot of raw costs that are going up. It has a, a problem with groundwater. Uh, but it's a very inexpensive stock now. It's got a 3% yield. It's still a dividend aristocrat. I would not abandon the stock here. But I know there are many stocks that are going higher, and it probably makes you feel like you're in the wrong one. But I'm telling you, I think it's fine to own right here. All right. The new buyers just aren't as cynical as the traditional Wall Street players. It's more straightforward world for them. Ignore the optimism at your own risk. All made money tonight, but the new CEO at the helm is the container store ready to organize your home and your portfolio. I'm checking in with the company's top brass after last week's report. Then Rivian, the Amazon and Ford-backed EV startup, is gearing up to make its public debut. But with so many public players in the electric vehicle space, how does this one stand out from the crowd? I'm cruising through the company ahead of its IPO. Then there are no EV plays without a solid set of tires. So I'm talking to the head of one of the largest players, certainly in America, Goodyear, to see what could be on the horizon for the company. They don't do many interviews. It'll be very exciting. And so I suggest you stay with Kramer. Don't miss a second of Mad Money. Follow at Jim Kramer on Twitter. Have a question? Tweet Kramer. Hashtag Mad Tweets. 
Send Jim an email to madmoney at cnbc.com or give us a call at 1-800-743-CNBC. Miss something? Head to madmoney.cnbc.com. Fact. Running a business is not getting easier on your wallet. With higher expenses on materials, employees, distribution, and borrowing, everything costs more. Also a fact. Smart businesses are reducing costs and headaches by graduating to NetSuite by Oracle. NetSuite is the number one cloud financial system, bringing accounting, financial management, inventory, and HR into one platform and one source of truth. With NetSuite, you reduce IT costs because NetSuite lives in the cloud with no hardware required, accessed from anywhere. You can cut the cost of maintaining multiple systems because you've got one unified business management suite. You improve efficiency by bringing all your major business processes into one platform, slashing manual tasks and errors. Over 37,000 companies have already made the move. See how you'll profit with NetSuite, and then you can think of all the ways you could be spending the money you save. Company retreat in Malibu, anyone? By popular demand, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program for a few more weeks. Head to NetSuite.com to start saving. When you're hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging to connect with candidates faster. Plus, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than three and a half million businesses worldwide that use Indeed. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash madmoney. Just go to Indeed.com slash madmoney right now and support this show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash madmoney. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Don't be too quick to give up on the so-called COVID stocks. Some of them can keep working. Even as we round the corner on the pandemic, consider the case of the Container Store. Here's a stock that exploded higher as millions of Americans decided to spend more time and money organizing their homes because, well, they had nowhere else to go. And that's why the stock rallied from a buck eighty in March of 220 to $19 and change in March of this year. But as people started getting vaccinated in droves, the Container Store stock rolled over with it stopped pulling all the way back to the high single digits last month. Then last week, the cut reported a magnificent quarter. We're talking about a huge top and bottom line beat. 11% sales growth, very profitable in spite of some very tough comparisons. Plus, the guidance was the holidays was fantastic. In response, the stock jumped up nearly 20% just last Wednesday. But even after this move, it's still selling for barely more than 10 times earnings. So could this thing have more upside? Let's check in with Satish Malhotra. He is the new president and CEO of the Container Store, who joins us in his first broadcast interview since taking over in February. Mr. Malhotra, welcome to Mad Money. Thank you, Jim. Great to be here. All right. So, Satish, tell us what brought you to the Container Store. You have an unbelievable background. Could have worked anywhere. Why this? Tell us. Well, there's quite a few reasons why I joined the Container Store. I think first and foremost, uh, the culture is unbelievable at the Container Store. Uh, We've got seven foundational values that really help us ensure we do the right thing. Um, Everybody lives those values and you can really see the passion, the resilience, the excitement in the stores through the service that we provide. 
So culture is very important to me. It's a, I enjoyed that at 21 years at Sephora, and it really attracted me to the container store. And then the second reason I would say it's the unique value proposition that the container store brings. There's not many retailers that I know that not only dedicate almost 10,000 SKUs to organization and storage needs, uh, whether it's in the home office area or pantry, kitchen, garage, you name it, we have it, uh, but also has a unique custom closet business. It's an affordable alpha line, uh, which uh, really uh, our customers love and has the test of time. It's a modular system that grows with the different milestones that our customers care to enjoy over their lifetime, uh, all the way up to our luxurious Laren business, which is what you see behind me. This is our Laren uh, um, exclusive Laren line that we carry. It's a customized wood-based system, and I got it done for my office, and it looks spectacular, as well as my well, friend. Let me just stop you there for a second. Did you say wood? Is that it's wood? a wood-based system. Because I'm, yeah. So that's, I mean, a lot of people feel there's too much plastic in the container store. You're talking about a wood custom made uh, project. Maybe just turn around for a second because it's obvious. We don't, in Zoom, no one ever does anything. So this is great. Okay, so you're saying that was custom made and that I could have custom made, not just the CEO. Absolutely. We offer it to all of our customers. You can go all the way from our metal based system, which is our alpha unit, all the way to our wood based system through Laren. You know, but I tell you, the big difference here outside of our custom closet line is also our in-home services, right? Uh, we have an opportunity to not only design this, what you see behind me in your homes, but we also have uh, in-home organizers that help you understand how best to put your system together. And I think that's been uh, a transformational moment. Um, as I've experienced it firsthand, I have almost 17 different spaces built throughout my house. <laughs> and uh, the game changer for me, where I was able to truly experience this transformational moment of organization and storage, is when someone helped me understand how best to organize. You know, I'd make runs to, to Costco and I'd buy a lot of uh, product and I didn't know how best to organize them. And with the help of an organizer, she really put forth a system that works for me. And to this day, four months in, we still have a unique system. So it's like once you unclutter, you cannot go back. All right. Well, uh, I that's like what that. I'm that's, why, that's why I like uh, I take the uh, clutter bug quiz. Now, that, and you have a lot of different organizational people. Now, is this because people themselves don't know how to get organized? I mean, we weren't taught it. I mean, why? I mean, I'm trying to figure out the, the total addressable market of people who need help being organized. Uh, you know, I, I think, well, the addressable market that we've seen is, is $20 billion, but I think it's, it's far greater than that. Because as you write there, as you rightly say, there are a lot of folks that just don't know how to organize. It's not something you, you're taught. Um, and I think people are struggling. They, they know and they tell us all the time that they don't like the way that they're living their lifestyle. They can't find things. They end up spending uh, a lot of money uh, because of over-purchasing. And I think once you understand the powers of organization and how free it can, freeing it can be, how you're able to really improve your productivity, uh, your emotional well-being, you know, even saving money where you stop uh, wasting product, they can be that uh, changing. And so people are looking for solutions. They're like, help me understand the method. Help me understand what products I can use. 
And once they've experienced it, uh, it is very much life-changing. It is a transformational moment, as we call it. We have over 10.5 million POP members, and they tell us daily um, how the container stores really help them improve their lifestyle. Okay, so are we in a situation where uh, these various issues that people have in terms of uh, labor costs going up, in terms of supply chain, do you have those under control? Yeah, I mean, like most retailers, uh, you know, we're not immune to price increases of raw materials and transportation costs. But, you know, we have an amazing uh, planning and supply chain team, and they work extremely hard to understand how best to navigate these choppy waters. Um, and there's th- certain things that we can do that we can control pricing. So we've pulled back a bit on our promotional cadence, uh, really bringing to life a lot of discovery moments in our stores. And that's what uh, I think our customers have really come to appreciate. We see it in our MPS scores um, at 78. And our customers tell us they love to be able to finally discover these great products that we have in our stores. So we put a lot of specialists now, trained specialists on the selling floor to help our customers uh, make the most out of their projects, make, make the most out of their spaces. We have a front of store presentation that invites excitement that you can play with the product and understand what we have to offer. I think those things have really helped us uh, move away from the promotional cadence and bring about an air of excitement in our stores. Um, and you see it in our numbers. All right. Well, that's what we need to see. I know that this was the uh, most profitable quarter that you've had. And I think you guys are on the right path. And it's great to have you on the show. That's Satish Mahotra. He's the president and CEO of the Container Store. Thank you, sir, for coming on Mad Money. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Inexpensive stock. Only 10 times earnings. Seems to have a lot going for it. I want you to take a look. Mad Money's back here for break. It's set to be one of the largest IPOs in history. But should investors put the pedal to the metal or hit the brakes on Rivian? Kramer's getting behind the wheel and giving his take next. You seek the key, but first you must learn the ways of precision, craft, and performance with Acura's all-electric ZDX. With a premium Bang & Olufsen sound system up to a 313-mile range, and a Type S variant with an estimated 500 horsepower, the ZDX is their most powerful SUV yet. Unlock the energy when you visit Acura.com to order yours today. Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. This market now, it's become flooded with IPOs. It's ridiculous. We've had more than 400 deals this year, and that's not even counting all the SPAC mergers. You know, last week alone, there were 15 traditional IPOs. We've got 11 more scheduled for this week. I've said it before. When the deals won't stop like it is right now, every IPO is guilty until proven innocent. There's so much garbage that you need to exercise a degree of skepticism, especially because the Wall Street promotion machine is very good at hyping them up, and there's so much money being made. However... Occasionally, there's an IPO that's genuinely enticing here, even if the stock might end up being too expensive once it comes public. 
And this week, we've got one of the most eagerly anticipated deals of the year. Rivian Automotive, that's the electric truck maker that's expected to come public on Wednesday, which is why we wanted to profile it today for you. To many investors, Rivian looks like the second coming of Tesla. And that's why the underwriters have already been forced to raise the price range, take it from 57 to 62 level, all the way to 72 to 74. Given that the company plans to offer 135 million shares, we're talking about a $9.85 billion fundraise, which would make this the sixth or seventh largest IPO in U.S. history. Now, the Tesla analogy uh, also explains Rivian's sky-high implied valuation. At the midpoint of the price range, this would be a roughly $63 billion company. It's a brand new company here. Brand new stock, 63. And given that these highly anticipated IPOs often spike dramatically right out of the gate, the actual valuation couldn't be even larger. If Rivian can trade up to $80, then it's a $70 billion company. If it goes to 90, it's a $79 billion company, which would mean it has a similar market capitalization to Ford Motor. If Rivian goes to 100, it's bigger than GM. Of course, we used to hear these comparisons all the time when Tesla was all on the way up. But now that Tesla's a $1.2 trillion company that's left the rest of the auto industry in the dust, nobody cares. Now, there's a, a, a widespread sense that you can't judge the electric vehicle plays by the same yardstick as the traditional automakers, right? I mean, it, make, it would make no sense. Uh, but, and then a very big but here, we can say that about Tesla because Tesla's delivered even if the stock got hit today because Elon Musk has decided to ring the register a big chunk of stock in response to a Twitter poll. I voted in favor of that. Uh, but you know what? It's everybody has free choice, right? You can, everyone's allowed to vote. Now, let me put it this way. Tesla's on track to make nearly a million cars this year. One million. Keep that number in mind. Rivian, on the other hand, is still in its infancy. And as of October, they've only delivered 156 vehicles. Yeah. 156 electric pickup trucks. And most of those went to their employees. So we obviously have a size difference. So as Wall Street lost its mind, legitimate question. Are money managers really willing to value a company that barely has a product at more than $60 billion? Or is Rivian the the real deal? Okay, before we get into specifics, you need to know that Rivian isn't just some fly-by-night electric vehicle story that came out of nowhere. Uh Uh-uh. This company has some real heavy hitters as backers. That's where we're going to evaluate. If you want to know why there's so much excitement for the story, why so many people are willing to believe that Rivian could be the next Tesla, it's because both Amazon and Ford Motor were early investors, and they've continued to pour money in this thing. After the deal, Amazon's going to own about 19% of Rivian's shares. One of the senior vice presidents sits on Rivian's board of directors, and they've also placed an order for 100,000 of Rivian's electric vans. More on that in a minute. Plus, it's possible Amazon will actually buy more stock in the IPO, which, <laughs> which point it could end up owning more than 20% of the business. You don't often see Amazon throwing money at electric vehicle plays, and these guys aren't stupid. But obviously, Amazon doesn't have any experience in the auto industry. Which brings me to the other major backer, Ford. After the deal, Ford will own 12% of Rivian. Now, that's a $7.5 billion stake, assuming the stock does nothing right out of the gate. Now, this one's interesting because Ford's only an $80 billion company, so that stake is very meaningful for them. More importantly, Ford plans to launch electric pickup trucks and commercial vans next year, which will make them a direct competitor to Rivian. Getting this kind of tacit endorsement from a competitor is a huge acknowledgement. Will Ford sell its Rivian stock to build its own gigafactories, perhaps for batteries and the like? We just don't know. But I would ring the register and redeploy if I were Ford CEO Jim Farley. Why fund the competition? So what does Ford, what do they see in this thing? At first glance, this is a company that only just launched its first consumer vehicle. That's a five-seat passenger pickup truck. In September, 
that, that just came out. As of last week, they've only produced 180 of those things in total, but they're now ramping production of that pickup truck, and they've got an electric SUV coming next month. On the commercial side, they're working on an electric delivery van, the one Amazon's putting a huge order for. Again, though, this thing is still in its infancy. By the end of the year, Rivian only plans to have delivered 10 of these vans. Oh, jeez. What about orders? All right, on the consumer side, they've got 55,400 orders for the pickup truck and the SUV. And those are real orders where customers have put down a $1,000 deposit. Okay, that's not just like, hey, I like one. Riven expects to fill the current backlog by the end of 2023. On the commercial side, they've already got an order for 100,000 vans for Amazon, which is really incredible. That order can carry the entire commercial business for years. Believe me, I bet you Amazon would take every vehicle that Rivian makes. Rivian currently has a factory in Illinois. It's quick to make 150,000 vehicles a year when it's fully up and running. Uh, But they don't expect that to happen until late 2023. Which brings us back to that initial question. Can we really justify a $62 billion valuation for such an early stage company which begins trading Wednesday? Given that they've only just launched their first vehicles, you can't really judge this one based on the financials, can you? What about the production forecast? All right, based on some back-of-the-envelope math, Rivian's consumer business has the capacity to produce $4.5 billion worth of pickups, pickup trucks and SUVs per year. All right? On the commercial side, we don't have a price for these vans, and we have to assume Amazon's getting some kind of bulk discount. But even with that, I've got to figure that they have the capacity to make $3.4 billion worth of vans per year. So let's go over this. By our rough estimates, Raven can do 8 to $9 billion in sales with its current installed capacity. In that case, a $62 billion valuation would mean the stock's trading at seven or eight times its future sales. Now, keep in mind It'll take a couple years before they can produce that many vehicles, even if they already have the machinery in place. But while it's easy to sketch out the story of Rivian becoming the next Tesla, it's very difficult to actually ramp up production like this. We forget. We really do. But Tesla struggled a lot before the company became a well-oiled machine. Producing electric vehicles at scale is tough. There's a reason even the major automakers have taken much longer than expected to launch their own electrics. Plus, even if everything goes right for Rivian, this industry's getting you know, a little crowded here, right? When Tesla was starting out, there was nobody else. But Rivian's got Ford's F-150 Lightning hot on its heels, along with GM's electric Hummer, and even Tesla's Cybertruck. Of course, in this crazy market, I can see Rivian stocks soaring, even though the valuation is insane. The people buying this thing won't care about valuation anymore than they care about it with Tesla. Bottom line, if you really believe in Rivian, you got my blessing to speculate. But I'd much prefer to stay on the sidelines and get my electric vehicle exposure from the Ford Motor Company which is why we own such a big position for the Chattel Trust. And it's just set still one more new high today. Mark in Florida. Mark. Hi, Jim. Uh, It's a pleasure to speak with the man who so generously shares his knowledge and time. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Thank you. What's up? I really have to thank you for some great recommendations like AMD, Unity, and Big Five. And they've been tremendous for me. Oh, thank you. All right. My question is about Lithia Motors. About two weeks ago, Lithia reported a huge earnings beat and very positive guidance. The company is expanding rapidly, continuing to buy new dealerships. The stock soared up about $40, then came down during the day to only up about $5. And by the close of the following day, it was below the price from before the earnings report. Uh, the stock price seems to have stagnated. What, what's your outlook for both the short and long term? Well, I think a lot of the uh, co- uh, companies that sell used cars have been stalled because they can't get enough inventory. But I think that uh, that, that Brian DeBoer, who lives in Ashland, Oregon, and Lithia, uh, is a winner. And he's adding to his dealerships around the country. I think that stock's a buy, uh, even though you may have to wait a little bit. All right, now listen. If you're a ride-or-die Rivian fan, 
then you have my blessing to speculate. But I prefer to get my EV exposure from Ford. Now, much more made money, including my exclusive Goodyear tire. At the completed its nearly $3 billion acquisition, Cooper, early this year, could the stock be poised to cruise higher? It's very inexpensive. Let's check with the CEO. Then Kramer fame next door hit the public markets earlier today. But this social media company has a competitive advantage that others in the space don't seem to have. And I'm going to reveal what it is. And all your calls rapid fire in tonight's edition of The Lightning Round. So stay with Kramer. Should you let supply chain worries and raw costs scare you away from some of the better auto and auto-related stocks? Now, judging by the incredible quarter that Goodyear Tire and Rubber reported last week, the answer is a definitive no. Thanks to its recent acquisition of Cooper Tire, another company I like, Goodyear has taken over the industry, and they're practically printing money. The last four quarters have all come in much better than expected, but last Friday they posted a, a, a magnificent 43-cent earnings beat. Yeah, beat off a 29-cent basis. That sent the stock soaring from 21 to 24 in a single session, although it pulled back a, a hair uh, about more than a buck today. The analysts keep underestimating Goodyear, and they underestimate the management, too. And until they raise their estimates accordingly, I think this one keeps going higher. Do not take it from me. Let's dig deeper with Rich Kramer, no relation, the chairman and CEO of the Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company, to learn more about the quarter and what he sees going forward. Mr. Kramer, welcome back to Man Money. Hey, Jim, thank you for having me. Good to speak with you. Well, I got to tell you, I mean, you can correct me. This is the best quarter I've ever seen from your company. Well, it's really been a tremendous one, Jim. I, I got to agree with you. I'm so proud of the team. Uh, you know, you, you said some of it. We, you know, we gained market share. Our sales were up 42%, up to $5 billion. Volume up 32%. We had the highest price mix that we've had in nearly a decade. And in addition to that, we raised the synergy target that we had from the, the Cooper transaction. So I got to agree with you, Jim. All right. Now, you don't get to raise price and have that share unless you're technologically beating the pants off the other guys. And that's true. That's what you're doing, isn't it? Well, you know, there's great competitors out there, Jim. But again, I have to tell you, my team did a great job. And, and I think the quarterly performance speaks for itself, particularly, particularly the share number. Well, let's talk about the intelligent tire. I mean, I love this concept. I mean, tires have been tires for too long, sir. Well, you know, Jim, I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And, you know, tire intelligence is really the next step of what we have to do to contribute to, to this whole new mobility ecosystem that's emerging. And we have this, this technology called Sightline uh, by Goodyear. And essentially, Jim, with the sensor in that tire, we can, we can measure not only uh, pressure and temperature, but also wear and load and ultimately friction, marry that with the tire data we have and the, the proprietary algorithms we have, and actually starting to predict performance of what uh, will happen to the vehicles those tires run. That's really exciting. And Jim, if I could say, you know, I, I watched a show this morning, you know, early on, Brian had Gaddick on and uh, that yes. AV uh, vehicle, tires are so important to that. We, we're actually working uh, uh, with them, have a small investment in them as well as part of our corporate venture capital fund. And you also had a major U.S. company on that you asked them about their transportation fleet. And those are the type of technologies that we have that's going to help them achieve their performance and sustainability goals with those intelligent tires. And there I'm hoping we're talking about Tesla, which is well, everybody who's <laughs> let's put it this way. Anybody's technologically inclined in the auto business likes yours. How's that? 
<laughs> is that fair? Exactly. All right. Now let's talk about what you triumphed over, because this is rather incredible. You had much greater levels of retirement and turnover and therefore more long term hiring needs post COVID. You talked about how it was difficult to increase production to pre-pandemic levels because of non-productive workers, which just means workers that are being trained. Uh, Richard, what's happening? here? Uh, Rich, tell me. Are people well, just not showing up to work? How can people just suddenly start retiring? How much money do they have that they can just decide one day they're going to retire? Jim, I think it's a great question. And, you know, some of the COVID absences, I think we all understand. But we saw early on that the level of retirements was much higher than we traditionally had and certainly than we expected. I'm not sure I have an answer for you, but what I can tell you, it's very real. You know, we still have difficulty with with qualified, finding qualified workers out there. We have increased absenteeism. And as you said, as a result, we've had accelerated hiring. We have a lot of training going on. And, and of course, those those make uh, our factories a little bit less efficient and uh, have a little bit higher cost. And, and Jim, I, I hate to say, but that's probably going to be with us as we get to Q4 and into 2022. I think it's a reality. And, and we're putting, you know, putting steps in place to make sure that we deal with that proactively to continue the performance that we've had. No, I, 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 these are difficult issues to combat. Plus, you have the car shortage because of the semiconductors. And yet you're still able to have this level of profitability. What would happen if things go right? Well, you know, it, Jim, it's, a, it's really a great point. And, and you know, the chip shortage has, has been all around us. We talk all the time. It's been really difficult to make predictions or forecasts on where that OE volume is going to be. We've actually been positioned pretty well on the fitments that we're on, so we're pleased with that. But forecasting is quite difficult. I'll tell you, though, there is a silver lining, and that's that it's allowed us, the OE volume shortage uh, for us because of the chips has allowed us to really focus on that consumer replacement business. What that means is we're meeting better, uh, we're meeting our customer demand more robustly, and we're able to rebuild inventories. And I think the silver lining is we all know that those OE manufacturers are going to start building cars again. That means they're going to take care of those customers because of that robust demand, and they're going to rebuild inventories. So for us, we see that sort of extending the duration of this volume recovery that we've seen post-COVID. So there is a bit of a silver lining in there, I think. All right, so Rich, can we uh, use that silver lining? I like that concept. Can we say that the U.S. is taking back uh, its rightful place in tires? Well, you know, Jim, I I would like to say that, uh, uh, you know, as the last U.S. tire company, we're very proud of the progress that we've made. And, uh, uh, you know, you and I talked about it last time. Uh, we had the, the, the tariffs come in. And, you know, Jim, interestingly enough, uh, versus 2019, actually imports are, are up a little bit. But from those, those uh, four countries that were impacted by the tariffs, they're slightly down. And interestingly, if you look at it, their landed cost has actually gone up based on the math that we do, about, about 40 bucks a tire, 20%. And that really, uh, uh, you know, that really is, is transportation. It's certainly raw materials, but it's also those duties. And, and again, we monitor right. this closely. I think some of that's coming into the market. And, and that, you know, that, that's certainly helping us in the industry as well. Rich, are, are the, the roll costs going to keep going up? Because it, it, at a certain point, won't we run into some sort of resistance and we'll just keep the tires that we have? You know, Jim, I do think that raws are going to go up, certainly in the fourth quarter and as we look to 2022 as well. Uh, we saw this very similar coming out of the uh, the Great Recession. 
We saw raws go up precipitously back then. You, uh, you well remember $100 oil sure. natural rubber was up to $2.65 a pound, if my memory's right. And as that happened, we were able to offset that with cost and price and mix. So I do think that, that at least in the near term, we might see uh, a raws moving higher. And, uh, uh, you know, fourth quarter, we feel pretty good about where we're positioned with the price and mix that we're seeing as we get into 2022. You're you're, you know, you're, you're right on. We're going to have to, to look for opportunities on price and mix to offset not only raw materials, but some of these other cost components. And, Jim, we feel pretty good about uh, the ability to, uh, to put those programs in place. Well, look, if you're feeling pretty good about it, I'm feeling pretty good about it. You have a very inexpensive <laughs> stock and two great companies put together. Obviously, it's two plus two equals five from what I can tell, Rich. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Jim, thank you for having me. Absolutely. Appreciate it. Rich Kramer has changed the stock, okay? He's changed the company. This is a company that we didn't really care all that much for on the show, but you get Cooper together with Goodyear with technology, and you've got a winner. Goodyear is one that you should be thinking about. Man, money's back here for the break. Just chill out. Is this Chill Master Jay? The chill man is in the house. He's happy. The lightning round is coming up when Mad Money returns. And then the lightning round is over. Are you ready? Steve Dagg, the lightning round is over. Steven in Texas. Steven. Hey, Jim. How are you? I am good. Texas 10-gallon booyah to you. Well, I'll take that. I'll take any 10-gallon at this point. What's going on? Hey, Jim. I want to talk about MGM. I just want to know what you think uh, selling the Mirage Hotel is going to do for their bottom line. Um, into quite a bit of MGM in the mid and upper 30s. And uh, where do you think the stock I, I is I like going? MGM. I think that they're doing the right thing. They're becoming more focused. Uh, it's got a lot of good management at the top. I think it's good. But tomorrow, Wynn reports. And Wynn, which my travel trust owns, is going to determine the direction of MGM. And right now, if uh, I, I don't, I can't tell you how good Wynn's going to be because I think it's the future that we like, not the past. How about Dave in Kansas? Dave. Hey, booyah, Mr. Kramer. Booyah. Hey, I just want to say thanks for all you do for us little guys. Oh, you're quite welcome. Hey, I bought some of the migraine medication maker, Biohaven Pharma, uh, about 18 months ago at 33. It's now almost 140. So what do I do now? Okay, tomorrow it reports, okay, after the close. I happen to like the company very much. I unfortunately had to take a NerdTech on Friday. Uh, which is their proprietary medicine. I would take out the house's money. That's what you should do. You should remove tomorrow all the stock that you, you know, take out as much to be equal to that 30, and then let it run, because then you can't lose money, because you're playing with house money. Let's go to Tyler in California. Tyler. Hey, Jim. Tyler. How are you? How are you today? I'm doing okay. How about you? I'm all right. So I had a question about uh, GoTo. Three dollars stuff. Look, China is, is, has kind of made that into a nonprofit. Uh, it, it's kind of a dice roll, and I can't offer any any intelligence on it other than this pure speculation that the Chinese are going to let these companies go back to the way they were. I don't think they're going to. Let's go to Matt, New York. Matt, how are you doing, Mr. Kramer? I am doing well, Matt. How about you? Very good, thank you. I'm asking about uh, British American Tobacco. Um, it's a very diverse stock with very high yield. 
Um, they purchased R.J. Reynolds back mm-hmm. in January of 2021. Um, they also came out with the Ebola vaccine, and they were the first to come out with the COVID vaccine in uh, June of uh, 2020. Right, but um, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna recommend a tobacco stock on the show. I'm grateful that I have a show on the network, but one of the things I have to do is responsibility to say no. In the same way that I said we got to ban those darn, you know, things that people use that I can't stand, which just drives me absolutely crazy that hooked a whole new generation. Vapes. A whole new generation got hooked on this stuff. So, no, I'm not going there. Let's go to Ryan in Virginia, please. Ryan. Hi, Jim. Right. Veterans Day right around the corner. Can I get a booyah for the Department of Veterans Affairs? Of course. Booyah. Absolutely. What's up? Now, I want to get your take on Alibaba. The stock seems very undervalued, and it feels like there's way too much risk priced in. Is that a good time to add to my position? I know that people want me to recommend this stock, and I know that I know that uh, I, I have felt that, look, if I say this is uninvestable, it probably will go to 180. It's how you feel like when you don't go to a game and it's the one game that they win. But I know that I don't want those 18 points. I know that sounds crazy. I can find another 18 points elsewhere. So I'm not going there. Let's go to Jack in New York. Jack. Booyah, Kramer. Booyah. I'm following the stock MyTech. Really? Uh, 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 are you yeah. familiar? And your thoughts? Buy, sell, or hold? I don't know. They've got proprietary technology, a, a recognition technology that I think is pretty cool. I've always liked the stock. I think it's got a good concept, so I'm going to say it's okay. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is the conclusion of the Lightning Round. The Lightning Round is sponsored by TD Ameritrade. Is it still cool to be kind? Next door soared in its first day of trading, and Kramer's weighing in on the company's mission to make the web a little more neighborly. Next. Jim Kramer, you're one of my heroes. I look forward to your show every weeknight. Thank you so much for helping beginning investors like me. When you talk about the market, I just believe that you're spot on. Oh, I love it. Thank you so much. Every night we watch you, I have learned and earned. Today, kind triumphed over mean. We all know what mean is on the Internet. It's the cruelest place on Earth, from the constant anonymous bully on Twitter to the incitements to violence on Facebook. But then there's kind. Yes, K-I-N-D, the stock symbol for Nextdoor, which came public today via SPAC merger. Nextdoor is run by Sarah Fryer, who came in after serving as the CFO of Square, some would say de facto CEO, and before that worked at Salesforce and Goldman Sachs. She took over Nextdoor, the neighborhood-based social media site, back when it was still a fledgling business that couldn't even accept checks for advertising. She's turned into a company that had $52.7 million in sales in the third quarter alone. That's up 66% year-over-year, accelerating revenue growth. They now have more than 60 million registered members and serve 280,000 neighborhoods around the globe, not just in the U.S. This morning, she explained to me the appeal of being kind, how Nextdoor wants to promote the spirit of being a good neighbor. Our whole reason to be here is to cultivate a kinder world where everyone has a neighborhood to rely on. We think that's both good for the world and we think it's great for business, too. 
Look, I've known Sarah ever since she schooled me way back when Square was 12 bucks. She told me to stop bashing the darn thing for potential credit losses and start recommending it because of its outsized potential for growth. I'm glad I took her advice. How could I not? She really just laid it out for me. And since then, Square's rallied 224 points. When she left Square, there was a ton of speculation about where she'd go next, and a lot of people were surprised that she chose next door. But Sarah grew up in Northern Ireland during the Troubles. And she was always struck by the way the Catholics in her neighborhood rallied around her family, even though they were Protestants. When a bomb went off and blew out their house's windows, the whole neighborhood turned out, not just the Protestants. Now she wants to spread that sense of community worldwide, something that's been sorely needed since the pandemic got rolling, as you know and I do. Next door attracted a lot of people who needed help finding tests, figuring out safety protocols. The hybrid workforces continued to keep the emphasis on the home long after lockdown ended. Another huge positive for this company. Now, I know it's easy to highlight cruelly. As someone who covered homicide for a living for many years ago, I, I, I got to tell you, I'm acutely aware that theaters have an insatiable appetite for violent stories that can attract readers. And now we've got social media, which incentivizes verbal combat, with many of the algorithms directing traffic to the most incendiary posts. Whether we're talking Twitter or Facebook, most of the Internet is a cruel, it's a carnival of cruelty. I suspect they'll never do anything to stop this because anger attracts more eyeballs. But as I see it, next door puts that notion to the test. Or to put it another way, like fences, good next door posts make good neighbors. Don't get me wrong. There's still plenty of heinous stuff on this platform, too, because every neighborhood has its share of horrible people. But the company's trying to take things in a kinder, gentler direction, and it's working. Now, I haven't liked many of these SPACs, as you know, because people have lost too much money in them. Nextdoor already rallied 17% today, which means you are chasing it if you buy it. But I think it's going to work. And Nextdoor's success in social media might cause the rest of the industry to rethink its approach. Maybe this is the first step toward cleaning up the wild west of anger, derision, and disappointment that makes up so much of the web these days. I'd like to say there's always a bull market somewhere, and I promise to try to find it just for you right here on Mad Money. I'm Jim Cramer. See you tomorrow. The news with Shepard Smith starts now. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. FedEx Ground service is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx.